it's thursday march the first i'm laura lee and we're into our third month of the year already all right let me tell you february was a crazy month for canadian politics here in ontario our conservative leader patrick brown he stepped down because of sexual abuse charges we had a sudden race with three candidates then tanya a very socially conservative person with basically no political experience got involved then patrick brown came back he had proof he'd been framed and he wanted his position back and just on monday i was thinking wow it's been pretty drama free in ontario politics this week and then monday morning i got an email from patrick brown saying he was in the lead the most votes i thought wow wouldn't that be crazy if he ended up winning and then at three o'clock i heard news he was out of the race and by five o'clock yep on twitter he was out of the race so ontario politics very interesting there was a debate last night and really right now after that debate i'm definitely leading towards tanya right now she's our my first pick and probably doug ford will be my second pick and if you're not sure how that works um, when you're voting in a conservative leader you pick a couple of different people and what they do is they count up all the votes and whoever's in last place they take that person off and then they recount up all the votes and so if you voted for the person in last place, they'll go and look at your second choice and then they'll count that person. So that's going to be happening pretty soon. And for me right now, this might change, but right now I have Tanya as my first, um, Doug Ford is my second, and I really don't, the other two are equally, I don't care. So that's what's happening in Ontario right now. Meanwhile, in our federal politics, Trudeau has definitely had a less than stellar month. We had people kind. That was kind of funny. Then we had him comparing Irish immigrants to ISIS. Yeah, that was not funny. Then he was telling our injured vets they were asking for more than Canada can give. And then India. So were you confused a little bit about what was happening with India? I know I kind of was, so I did some research. And here's the backstory. We have to go all the way back to 1947. So India was officially formed in 1947. Before that, it was ruled by British forces and there was different dynasties. But right away in 1947, the Sikh community and the Hindu community did not get along. So the Sikh community lived in Punjab. And even today, that's the largest community in Punjab is the Sikhs. And the name Punjab literally means the land of five waters in Persian. So in 1955, on April the 14th, protesters took to the streets and they were demanding an East Punjab state. The Indian government actually sent in the military. Protesters were beaten and Sikh temples were raided and destroyed. Ten years later, in April of 1965, the Indian-Pakistan War started and that would last from April all the way until September. So during this unrest, the Sikh community began to rise up again. The next year, they asked for Punjabi to be recognized as an official language and to be used in Parliament. It did not happen. In the 70s, unrest started up again. In 1973, the protesters wanted Sikhism to be recognized as an official religion. They also wanted states to be able to control their own laws without going all the way to India and asking the Indian government. This would have given Punjab more power and the start of being an independent state, which is what they wanted. It did not happen. And then in the 80s, in 1983, a very important year, 
a march was held demanding that the Sikh people be heard. The military showed up. They arrested 30,000 people and over 100 were killed. In 1984, two Sikh leaders were assassinated. After 36 years of fighting to have their own state, the people now felt any action was justified. And then June 23rd, 1985, Air India Flight 182 took off from Toronto. It would go to Montreal, London, and then Delhi. It was a large 747 jumbo jet with 329 people on board. The plane would not make it to its destination. In the largest mass murder in Canadian history, a bomb was placed on the plane and it exploded during the flight. 268 Canadians, 27 British, and 24 Indians were killed. It would be the largest terrorist attack using planes until September 11th attack. In 2003, a Canadian pleaded guilty. He was a Sikh and the attack was in response to the assassinations and the deaths and arrests that happened in the march. That happened June 23rd, 1985. So the next year, 1986, a Canadian named Jasper would come up with a plan to assassinate an Indian cabinet minister. This cabinet minister was going to be visiting BC for his nephew's wedding. The cabinet minister was in the car with his wife and the driver. Their car was ambushed and Jasper began shooting at the car. The cabinet minister slumped over and pretended to be dead. Jasper, believing he had killed the minister, escaped. The minister was wounded, but was only pretending to be dead. He was rushed by ambulance to the hospital and survived. That was the 80s. The 90s had many more riots. All the way up until the 2000s, India still is having a lot of unrest. Last year here in Canada, the NDP got a new leader, a Sikh, Jagmeet Singh, and the media is really liking the idea of a minority as a leader. And he's looking like the new favorite for our media. Where once Trudeau was the poster boy of everything politically correct, the media is starting to cover his blunders. Trudeau needs something to make him the it boy again. So he went to India to show he can be just as Sikh as Jagmeet Singh, and it didn't work. So now, knowing the history and knowing how Canada was involved in two major attacks, we get to what happened in the last week. Before the trip even started, the Indian president asked that Trudeau would recognize that India is one country. There is no separate state. Trudeau refused to do this. So before the trip even started, the president was mad at him. So the president refused to greet him at the plane. So there we are on the plane in India. Trudeau and his family step out. They're dressed in these ridiculous costumes. And some guy no one has ever heard of before is there to greet him. And then he spends the next four days touring India, putting on lots of different costumes, getting his picture taken. The Indian media was not impressed. Then one day he showed up to a Bollywood event dressed in a wedding outfit. Okay, so imagine you're in Toronto and Angela Merkel shows up to the red carpet event. She steps out of the car and she's wearing a big puffy white dress with a veil and a long train. She's dressed like a bride. Okay, yeah, it was that awkward. Actually, here in Canada, Jagmeet Singh was also dressed in a wedding outfit, 
because he got married that weekend. Okay. At this same Bollywood event, there was another Canadian. Another Canadian from BC. Jasper. Yeah. The guy who tried to assassinate the Indian cabinet minister when he was in BC. That guy was at the same event. Jasper took his picture with Trudeau and his wife. If Trudeau was visiting India, he should have known exactly who this guy was. There have been two Canadian terrorists who have tried to kill Indian people. If the leader of our country is visiting India, he should know who those two people are and maybe not take his picture with either of them. Then there was a special dinner held by Trudeau. And by the way, side note, we taxpayers paid for a chef from British Columbia to be flown out to cook the meal in India. So yeah, that doesn't seem like a waste of money at all. Meanwhile, at the dinner, Jasper was invited. The Indian government was not impressed. See, this guy, he's seen as a hero by many of the Sikh people. And this was a slap in the face to India and the opposite of what they asked Trudeau to do. Trudeau said, hey, he didn't invite this guy, someone else did. Well, one, I personally don't believe that, but okay, maybe. Two, no one in our government should have thought it was okay to invite a Canadian who tried to assassinate an Indian politician to India. No one. If it wasn't Trudeau, then who does Trudeau have working for him? Also, the RCMP and CSIS both said they were not given any list to look at before the dinner. Then to top it all off with the trip, there was this embarrassing dance. And then Trudeau forgot how old Canada was. He said we just celebrated our 100th birthday. Hello, hashtag 150. Trudeau had two jobs to do in India. One, an investment deal. That turned out with India investing $250 million in Canada and Canada investing $750 million in India. Trudeau tried to pass this off as a billion dollar deal for Canada. No, job one, fail. Job two, improve relations with India. Well, the media thought he was a nutcase at best, a racist at worst. The government was really mad at them. And then as he was leaving, he realized the trip really hadn't given him the Sikh vote he thought it would. So then he blames India. Actually, he said they made him look bad. It's all India's fault. Right. They dressed you. They made you have a bad deal. They invited the Canadian who wanted to kill government officials to come to India. They made you forget how old Canada was. Did they also force you to dance? Job two, epic fail. But you know what? Here in Canada, there's even more problems. Trudeau just appointed a new judge. His name is John Norris. So here's what you need to know about John Norris. Well, first of all, he was a lawyer for Omar. Remember him? The terrorist we gave millions of dollars to. But not only that, he was also the lawyer for a guy named Reham Jasser. I know I'm not saying his name right, but okay. Who was this guy? He's the guy who tried to blow up the VI rail. If his plot had worked, hundreds of people would have died. He's also a lawyer for this guy named Suraj. Suraj was sending military information to the Tamil Tigers. He's also the lawyer for some of the Toronto 18, the group that planned a massive attack in Toronto. So this new judge that we have in Canada, he kind of seems to have a heart for terrorists. And I know 
everyone, even a terrorist, gets a lawyer when they're in Canada. That's what makes Canada free, and that's really important. But it kind of seems like this lawyer, he's worked for every major terrorist attack in Canada. I'm really not loving him for a pick for our new judge. And I'm going to give you a little information about the Toronto 18. I'm going to pick one of them and tell you a little bit about him. Let's talk about Amar. So Amar was born in Jordan, and from the beginning of his life, he was raised as a Christian. When he moved to Saudi Arabia when he was four, and then at age 10, he converted to Islam. At age 13, he came to Canada, and he was really just your regular Canadian teenager. He went to Milton District High School. He attended Humber College. He was really interested in maths and electronics. He worked part-time at Canadian Tire. You really can't get more Canadian than this. Amar, he was good at school. He was on the honor roll all the way through high school. People liked him. They thought he was really funny. He was really your perfect Canadian. But there was a secret. Amar was plotting something. He was plotting a terrorist attack in Canada. In February of 2006, a friend of his saw a bomb he was working on with a detonator that could be activated by his phone. This friend went to the police. The police searched his home and found out he was plotting a terrorist attack. And then, in a scene that I can say is only could happen in Canada, his, the neighbors in Mississauga, they came out of their homes, they had lawn chairs, apparently there was popcorn, and they watched a three-hour-long police raid. There were snipers, and finally, after three hours, the police were able to arrest Amar. On October the 8th, 2009, Amar pleaded guilty on two counts. One, knowingly participating in a terrorist group, and two, intending to cause an explosion for the benefit of a terrorist group. Amar said that he had learned how to make a fertilizer bomb on the, in on the internet, and he was going to blow up the Toronto Stock Exchange. The police said with the bomb that he had and the construction that he was working on, if they would not have caught him, the bomb would have worked and he would have killed hundreds of people. Amar was given two punishments, life imprisonment and his citizenship was taken away from him. Meaning if he was ever released from prison, he would be sent back to Jordan. Then June 19th, 2017, under Trudeau, he was given back his citizenship. All of this is a little concerning. So we'll see what happens in this new month of March with Trudeau. Meanwhile, in the States, there's been this story going on for a long time. Russia, right? Russia, Russia, Russia. So there's this Russian probe happening to try to see if they influence the election. Well, they found out something really interesting. They found out that there was 13 Russians that moved to America and set up shop. They got social media accounts and they held pro-Trump rallies. They also held pro-Bernie Sanders rallies. They also held Black Lives Matter rallies. They also held Police Lives Matter rallies. After the election, they actually held two rallies on the same day. Not my president and support the president. On the same day, two rallies. The media even covered all of these rallies. What seems clear is that they didn't care about Trump or Bernie or black Americans or the police force. They had one job, to create chaos, and they succeeded. As I was listening to the story, immediately I thought of our churches. I've been in a lot of churches in the last 40 years. 
I grew up in a pastor's house, and I can tell you this is exactly what Satan does. He comes into our churches, and he is King James only, and he's multiple versions. He's hymns only, and he is a rock band front and center. He is we should wear dresses and suits, and he's come as you are. He's all of it because he doesn't care about anything except spreading chaos and division. If he can divide the church, he will. So next time you hear a fight about music or versions of the Bible or church clothes, remember this, it's the Russians. No, it's not the Russians, but it's Satan and don't let him fool you. Now, of course, the main story coming from the States is still the Florida shooting. The gun debate is really heating up and I'm working on a bonus episode. We're gonna go into the whole history lesson of the gun debate. This should be up this week sometime. But something else came up this week. We found out that a police officer assigned to the school stood outside the school with his gun drawn, pointing at nothing and hiding while the killer walked throughout the school shooting. He stayed outside hiding. But then it got worse. We found out that four more deputies showed up and they were told they couldn't enter because they didn't have body cameras on. So they stayed outside as well. And then it got worse. We found out that medics showed up and they were not allowed to enter the school. So while students were bleeding out, police officers and medics were standing outside the school doing nothing. Does that make your blood boil? It makes me so angry, I don't even have words. But as I was thinking about this, suddenly I saw our churches standing outside doing nothing, hiding while hundreds of thousands of babies are killed every year. We hide behind, I don't want to be a political. We, I actually sat through a sermon where a preacher was preaching that Christians should not be political. I can tell you that was a hard message to set through. I've had people contact me saying they want me to come to their church and speak on abortion, but their pastors tell them it's too controversial of a topic. Youth leaders who say the same thing, we don't want to offend. We're afraid of stepping into those bullets of the debate. So we hide and we do nothing. People are always surprised when I tell them I support Donald Trump. And when I say it's because he's pro-life, they mock me, even Christians. I'm told abortion isn't important enough of a reason to support someone. It is important. It's the most important thing. In Canada, when it comes to politics, I know Christians who voted for Trudeau, even though he told his party he would kick them out of the party if they were pro-life. Those Christians told me, look, abortion's just a thing in Canada. There isn't anything we can do about it. Pastors have told me, you know what, there's not, it's not worth fighting because there's really no chance we can change anything. So most of us just hide and don't say anything. Did you know a child is one and a half million times more likely to be killed in a womb than in a classroom? Half a million times. People are ready to fight the NRA that has killed zero people and receives zero dollars in funding from the government. But they ignore Planned Parenthood that kills a tiny human every 90 seconds and receives 500 million a year. Here in Canada, our government pays for every single one of the 100,000 murders a year. It's time we stop hiding. It's time we stand up and speak for those who can't speak for themselves. Our media is not going to cover their stories. Our media is not going to cover their deaths. Our media is too busy making everyone hysterical about Russia and Trump. 
I was going back and I'm going to read some quotes to you from the media and just think about what they're saying here. Here's one. He seemed out of his depth from the day of his first press conference as president. Obviously not conversed with the subject matter that was thrown at him. He was obviously fumbling and off balance. Here's another one. The president aides frequently contradict each other and what they say is later contradicted by the president himself. This reflects the president's management styles. Here's another one. His aides are shielding him from news conferences because they're afraid he can't handle the high stakes gamble of a televised appearance. Oh, I should mention in all of these quotes, the media was not talking about Trump. This is going back a little bit in history. The media was talking about Ronald Reagan. You see, this isn't a new game. This is how the media has played over and over and over again. In fact, they actually had a nickname for Ronald Reagan. They called him Ronnie the Ray Gun. They said he was going to start World War III. They said, we're all going to die. Nuclear war is going to come off. Then there was Bush. Bush was a war criminal. Look, this isn't a new thing. The media has been used as a political tool for years. I'm going to tell you a story going all the way back to 1906. 1906. So put yourself in that year right now. There's a governor race in Georgia. Two men, Smith and Howell, are up against each other. Each own a newspaper. Trying to scare the people into voting for them, they both print stories of four white women who were attacked by black men. The newspaper begins to stir up a crowd. No one is safe. All the women and children are going to die. They create a victim group and they create a monster. One night, a man stood on a large box and held the papers in his hand. He said, we have to fight back. We must protect our women and children. A crowd grew that turned into a mob. Black people began to run and hide. For four straight days, the mob pulled black people from their homes into the streets and beat them. Twelve men were murdered. Finally, the military came into town to stop the mob. The courts would later say the newspaper had incited the mob with fear and half-truths. Smith ended up winning the election, but at what cost? We have a term for this. It's called yellow journalism. It's when you take a half-truth, you add in fear and over-the-top rhetoric. You make a victim group and then a monster blame. What would you have done in that mob? Well, ask yourself, what are you doing now? Because the media is at the height of yellow journalism. The Bible says in Psalms chapter 72, verse 3, you love evil rather than good, falsehoods rather than speaking the truth. This is our generation right now. Let me end today the way I always end. This doesn't have to be you. The love of evil rather than good, the love of falsehoods rather than speaking the truth. This comes from Satan. God never intended it to be this way. When God created the world, it was perfect, and people were his perfect creation, created with his hands, and breathed the breath of God into them. But sin came into the world, and with sin, death. Death came to all people because all of us have sinned. But God in his mercy loved us while we were still sinners, and God himself came to earth as Jesus. He lived a perfect sinless life and died taking our punishment. By one man, Adam, sin came into the world, and by one man, Jesus Christ, we are saved from sin. Jesus didn't stay dead. He came to life again. And when we turn from our sin and turn to Jesus and call on him, he will save us. If you've never done that, 
do it today. I'm Lauralee Siemens. To learn more about my speaking ministry, go to lauraleesiemens.com. That's spelled L-O-R-E-L-E-E, -E -E, Siemens, S-I-E-M-E-N-S, lauraleesiemens.com. See you next week.